young boy brought a present to his teacher. Teacher was a real good guesser of gifts because he'd seen his teacher and she would she'd take gifts and she could rattle them around and she could guess what was in the gifts. Gift. And this little boy's name was Johnny. So Johnny brought his a teacher a gift and before Johnny got there, another, uh, another little kid brought his teacher a gift and the teacher took the gift and she shook that gift and she shook it and she said, that's a box of cookies. And that little girl was amazed. said, how did you guess that? And that teacher said, I'm just good that way. So little Johnny gave her, gave her his gift and the teacher shook the gift and she could hear something rolling around in there and she see the box, it was getting wet and there's this liquor drip, dripping out and she said, she put her tongue out like that and she stuck her tongue out to taste that liquid and it was about to touch her tongue. She says, it's wine. And Johnny said, no, it's a puppy. But look first to Luke, Luke chapter 1, look at verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and this virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. She's among women blessed, but not above women. You've got to get that. We don't worship Mary. She's blessed among women, but she's not above y'all ladies. And when she saw him... This Mary saw the angel, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Amen. Now, I preached on that kingdom and that throne last week, but look back up at verse 32 and look at the very first of verse 32. He, Jesus Christ, shall be great. Amen. Amen. This morning I want to preach about why Jesus Christ is so great. Why he's so great. You know, that word great is thrown around a lot in our language, and we use that word a lot. You know, they say this is a great box of cereal. You know, we have a tiger on a box of cereal that's great, you know, and it's a great hamburger. It's a great place to go eat. We use that word great a lot, and we shouldn't be using it as much as we do, I don't think. I think it's way overused. Uh, My wife watches a TV show called The Goldbergs that's back in the 80s. It's supposed to be a TV show back in the 80s. She likes watching that show. And there's the, one of the, 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 the dad on that show got to meet his dad, and he was in a grocery store. And his dad, he don't talk to his dad at all, and he met his dad, and he was talking to his dad, and his dad was walking off, and he said, it, it was great to see you, Dad. And his dad said, it was all right. <laughs> it was all right. Well, I thought that was really funny, and my wife pointed out, that's you. I said, what? She goes, that's you. That's all you do all day long. I'll say, was that, was that food any good? And you always say, well, it's all right. <laughs> And I started noticing that's exactly what I do. I, I, all the time, I, I'm just cynical like that old man off that Goldberg show. I'm just a cynical old man. And, and I, maybe I'm just geared that way. Maybe it's the way I was raised around just a bunch of cynical people. I have a whole family full of cynics. They're just black humor all the way through. Everything they do is all about black humor. When somebody falls and hurts themselves, the first thing you're supposed to do is laugh, not ask them if they're okay, you know. That's just the family I grew up in. So maybe I'm just kind of cynical that way. But... I'm here to tell you that this man, Jesus Christ, he is great. He's not just all right, okay? You know, I might say it's all right about a lot of things, but I'm here to tell you this Jesus Christ, he shall be great, and he is great, and he was great. 
And I'm going to show you why. I'm going to show you why this morning, why Jesus Christ is so great. Look at Luke chapter 4. Look at Luke chapter 4. I'm here to tell you, when it comes to greatness, there's never been a greater speaker than Jesus Christ. We judge politicians as how well they speak. A politician gets voted in as not as his policy is good or is he going to be good for the country. Is how good a speaker is he. But I'm here to tell you the greatest speaker that's ever lived is the speaker of Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to show you to look at Luke chapter 4, look at verse 22. I'm going to show this stuff. I'm not just going to tell you who he was. I'm going to show you how the Bible he was. Look at verse 22. Luke 4, 22. And all bear him witness... And wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? Our Lord and Savior, when he spoke, he spoke with gracious words. That's what's missing in the world today is grace. People, they don't have any grace. They don't speak with any kind of grace. And when Jesus Christ spoke, it was, his words were full of grace. And people wanted to hear what he wanted, had to say. Look, at, look down at verse 32. Look at verse 32. And they were astonished at his doctrine. For his word was with power. Jesus Christ, when he spoke, he spoke with authority and with power. Man, when Jesus Christ spoke, people turned around and listened. Who's that talking over there? What's going on over there? There's somebody speaking that I need to hear. He spoke with power. And it was astonishing when he spoke. This is Jesus Christ, the greatest speaker that ever lived. Gabriel said, he should be great. And he was great, my friend. It says, they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. He wasn't milly-mouthed. When he said it, that's the way it was, and that's the way it was going to be. And when you heard him speak, you knew that's the way it was, and that's the way it's going to be. You've been around people like that? Yeah, yeah man. You, you, you've been around great speakers, and then they get up there and they start speaking. You're like, man, that guy, he's got just this voice, and it just carries. He's got, it's a great speaker. Jesus Christ was a thousand times more than that. Look down at verse 36. And they were all amazed. He's astonishing. He's amazing. And spake among themselves, saying, what? A word is this. Woo! They're just astonished. They're amazed. They're listening to him speak. And they're saying, what a word is this. What is this this guy's talking about? What is, this is amazing. This is astonishing. For with authority and power, he commanded the unclean spirits and they come out. Wow, you know, you got these unclean spirits, these demons, and they were afraid of Jesus Christ's voice. And when Jesus Christ said, hey, get out of here. That unclean spirit, like a scalded dog, took off. And they said, "Woo! what a word is this. This guy's got power. He's the greatest speaker to ever live. Look at John chapter 7. Our Lord and Savior is great. And when he was born of a virgin, that's the greatest thing that ever happened to this world. He's the greatest man to ever be born of a woman. His name is Jesus Christ. And even if you're out here this morning and you're saying, well, I don't even know he's the Son of God. I don't really believe in Jesus Christ. You've got to believe in the historical Jesus Christ. And it's just as, a, if you, even if you don't believe he's the Son of God, even if you just thought he's a regular man, you've got to admit it's pretty strange that 2,000 years later, we're still preaching about him all over the world, talking about him. That's a great man. Look at verse 45. Now, you've got to get the context. They sent these, the temple has these policemen, and they wanted to arrest Jesus Christ, so the priest... They sent their policemen, which was a local temple policeman, they sent them out to arrest Jesus Christ. And let's see what happens in verse 45. John chapter 7, verse 45. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why have you not brought him? 
So they come in and they don't have Jesus Christ. And the priests are like, hey, why didn't you go get Jesus? We told you to go get Jesus Christ. Why didn't you go get him? Look what they say in verse 46. The officers answered, never a man spake like this man. (laughs) Never a man spake like this man. They went over there to, we're going to go get this man Jesus. They put on the sword, they put on the spears, they put on the helmet, and march, 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 march. They go over there. Here's a man, he's just in a, he's just in a robe, has no sword, has no spear, has no army, has no military, and all he's doing is speaking, and they get there to arrest him, and they listen to him, they're like, never a man spake like this man. What a testimony. Even though they were afraid to get in trouble, they didn't arrest him, and they went back. And in the sight of their bosses, they could literally have them killed. They said, never a man spake like this man. Jesus Christ is the greatest speaker the world has ever known. Man, he's the greatest speaker, which would make him the greatest politician. It's going to make him the greatest king. It's going to make him the greatest king. Amen. Look at Mark chapter 6. Let's move on. Mark chapter 6. Man, Jesus Christ is great. If you don't like Jesus Christ, you're really going to be annoyed this morning because all I'm going to do is keep pounding Jesus Christ into your thick head and keep telling you how great Jesus Christ is because he is great. Now, not only was Jesus Christ the greatest speaker in Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, verse 2, Jesus Christ was the greatest teacher. Look at verse 2. And when this Sabbath day was come, he began to teach. Jesus Christ began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? My friends, Jesus Christ is the greatest teacher that ever lived. You might, you might think that's a great professor, that's a great scholar, but I'm here to tell you Jesus Christ is the greatest teacher to ever live. This man, when he got up to teach, the crowds would get so strong around the seashore, they would literally put Jesus Christ, they'd put him on a boat and push the boat away from the seashore because the thousands and thousands and throngs of people had crowded around. And so they'd put him up on a boat and let him stand on a boat and he would teach from a boat. That's your Savior, Jesus Christ. The greatest teacher that ever lived. You know, when you nothing drives me any crazier or nutty. And I go into some of these schools over in Bangs. I've seen this over in Bangs, Texas. I go into the school and they have up there on a, on a piece of board on the, on the wall it says, do unto others as you'd have done unto you. And then underneath it says the golden rule. That's not the golden rule. That's a quote of Jesus Christ. That's a quote of Jesus Christ. They got quotes of Martin Luther King up there. They have quotes of Abraham Lincoln up there. My Lord and Savior is the one that taught that. Not the golden rule. The golden rule is he who has the gold makes the rules. Amen. That's the golden rule. The teaching of Jesus Christ, the greatest teacher to ever live was doing others as you have done unto you. Forgive your enemies. Love your enemies. That's the greatest teacher to ever live. Let me give you a testimony of what some of his enemies said. Now, this is his enemies, not his friends. His enemies, this is what his enemies says. They call him a master. Thou teachest rightly, teach the way of God truly. That's your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They were talking about him, and they were his enemies. They gave him all the glory as a teacher. This man, Jesus Christ, as a 12-year-old boy, was in the temple, and he was astonishing the doctors. He was teaching them. They were asking questions of him when Mary and Joseph found him. That's your Savior at 12. At 33, he's the greatest teacher man has ever known. No seminary degree, 
no college degree, the greatest teacher, the greatest teacher the world's ever known. We to it way, way too much importance on education. Amen. Amen, we do. We do. Uh, one, my pastor that I was under for years and years was a hog farmer. And he had to temper like a wild banshee, man. And, uh, from being a hog farmer. He got mad at one of his hogs one time, and he got in his old beat-up pickup truck, and the old hog, and he threw it in the first gear, threw it in the second, and, drove over, and he drove right over that hog. He told me, when I drove over that hog, I was trying to kill that hog. I was so mad at it. And he goes, my truck got stuck up on that hog. And that truck's on that hog, and my back wheels are going, and that hog's going, and he goes, I couldn't kill that hog. What happened to him? He hit oil. Texas tea. He became rich overnight. So my pastor, who was a hog farmer, all of a sudden became a millionaire. Those don't mix. It was like the Beverly Hillbillies come alive before my very eyes. One of the first things he did, he went and bought a Rolls Royce. This is in Brownwood, Texas. <laughs> bought a Rolls Royce. Drove it downtown by the, he wanted to drive down there by the barbershop where he used to get his hair cut, you know, so all the people who knows him would see him. It broke down. <laughs> he got out. He's trying to push that car. And the old Sue Shiner, the old black man that shined the old shoes, he said he was out there just, ah! Just slapping his knees, laughing, old Reuben Packer, trying to, be, trying to be something more than a hog farmer, pushing old Rolls Royce. He loved hard pain, and he wanted to get in with the big wigs. And they have, he has money, so you know what happens when you have money? You get in with the big wigs. You have a lot of money. So what happens when you give a lot of money? They let you into all their meetings. So Brother Packer being Brother Packer, here's this old hog farmer, never graduated high school, got a GED. So he goes in there and he looks down at this list and you've got to sign in. And he looks down at this list and there's old Dr. Evan Shine and his DDD, THD, DO at the end of his name, MD. They have all these letters at the end of his name. So you know what old brother, old brother Reuben Packer does? He looks down at that list with all those names and he puts Reuben R. Packer, G-E-D. <laughs> Woo! Amen. And one of those guys that said, you know what, Reuben, as long as I live, I'll never forget seeing that name, Reuben R. Packer, G period, E period, D period. Amen. You don't need an education. You need Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the greatest teacher that ever lived. So if you want an education, get under the greatest teacher that ever lived, Jesus Christ. You'll learn more than you ever wanted to learn. Look at Luke chapter 5. Look back at Luke chapter 5, verse 12. And it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face. This guy's full of leprosy. Who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him. Jesus touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. Amen. Guys, if you're in here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you say, man, I'm just an old wicked sinner. I'm here to tell you, if you'll come to Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ wants to make you clean. Amen. You say, I just want to be clean. You can cry out to Jesus Christ, just like this leper did. and says, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus Christ says, I will. I will. And he reaches down and touches him, saying, I will. Be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. That makes Jesus Christ the greatest doctor to ever live. You ever known a doctor like that? I'm not talking about a faker you see on TV. I'm talking about a doctor. You go to the doctor and say, I'm full of leprosy. And he goes over there, okay. 
touches you. And all of a sudden, immediately, we're talking about leprosy was digits would fall off and decay. Your nose would fall off and decay. Your body is rotten off, and he touches you, and you're immediately clean and whole. Don't, don't even kid yourself. There's no doctor alive, you know, who can do something like that. Immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest and offer thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him. Great multitudes came together to hear, there's that speaker, and to be healed by him of their infirmities. He's the greatest doctor that ever lived. Not only does he immediately heal you when he touches you, but you know what else that can happen? If you can get a hold and touch him, you'll be healed. There's an instance where a lady just goes to the crowd and Jesus is walking and she reaches over there and she just touches the very hem of his garment and it says immediately she was healed and knew she was healed. And Jesus stops and everybody's pushing around on him and Jesus says, who touched me? And Peter says, Lord, who touched you? Look, everybody's pushing around. No, no, virtue left me. Power left me. And the lady came and she bowed down and she said, I touched you. Go in peace. Thy faith has made thee whole. She would have never known if that disease was ever going to come back. But Jesus calls her back and says, you don't ever have to worry about that anymore, sister. Go on. Everything's going to be all right. Now, my friends, that's the greatest doctor you've ever known. You know what makes him a great doctor? What I personally think makes Jesus a great doctor is not just that he could heal of anything. He's raising the dead. Come on. He's a great doctor. But what makes Jesus Christ a great doctor is he didn't charge any money. With that kind of power, and he didn't charge a dime. He's the greatest doctor you've ever heard of. Amen. Amen. He's the greatest doctor you've ever heard of. I promise you that. Look at John chapter 6, verse 9. I'm going to show you one that's just a little bit different. Uh, One of the things that's real popular in America today is chef shows. You turn on TV, and there's even a food network. There's chef TV shows of every sort you can find. There's cooking shows are real popular. And the chefs are becoming stars. They're selling stuff. But I'm here to tell you, there's no greater chef than Jesus Christ. <laughs> now, you know, this is a little different one. This is a little different. I admit it. Look at, look at verse 9. Well, let's skip up to uh, verse 5. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Jesus knew what he was doing all along. Philip answered and said, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, that's Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, Hey, there's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but hey, what are they among so many? Yeah, what are they? Unless you're around one of the greatest chefs to ever live. Amen. Look at verse 10. And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. And they did. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. That's just the men, fellas. That's not the women and children. That's just the men, 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves. When he had given thanks, he distributed it to the disciples. And the disciples of them that were set down. And likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. When they were filled, he, filled, he fed 5,000 people. He said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Hey, guys, it's a sin to be wasteful. Therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. He fed over 5,000 people at one time, and there was leftovers, and he only had a couple of fishes to do it. Now, guys, that's the greatest chef you've ever heard of. And there wasn't anybody complaining about it. I guarantee you, I wasn't there to taste it. The Bible doesn't record how it tasted, but I guarantee you that it tasted pretty good. Amen. 
It says at the end of verse 11, it says, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. So some people were coming back for seconds. If you ever come over to my house to eat when I'm cooking, you're not going to be coming back for seconds. You want me to thank you, Brother Keegan, and leave my house and go straight to the McDonald's and get something to eat. You know, <laughs> just the way it goes. Hey, that doesn't insult me. I know I can't cook. Jesus Christ can, though. And he's the greatest chef you've ever known. Look at John chapter 18. Now, we're going to get to the God of America. Now, the God of America is a God that people don't realize is the God of America, but it's real obvious when you think about it. Because you might think, what is the God of America? I thought, I thought Jesus Christ, I thought Jehovah God was a God of America. No, you're wrong. The God of America is not Jesus Christ. The God of America is not even the devil. The God of America is sports. That's the God of America. If you talk to anybody, try to witness to them about coming to church, they don't ever have time for church, they don't ever have money for church, they don't ever, I don't have the right clothes for church, but it's amazing how they can find the time to do all the sports around them. Well, I don't have the right clothes for church. You don't, just don't worry about what you're wearing. Just come on up here. Well, I, I don't feel right. I, I, don't have, I don't have nice clothes. I don't have the right clothes. But boy, they'll go spend that $100 on that, that pair of cleats they need for the sun and the pants. And the, Y'all see where I'm going with this? I don't have the time. I, I don't want to get up that early to go to church. But see, when I'm running over there to the city of Brownwood on Saturday in the soccer field, that thing is plumb full at 8 o'clock in the morning. 8 o'clock in the morning, people are standing out there freezing cold and watching the little kids kick around a soccer ball. There's nothing wrong with soccer, amen? Okay, nothing wrong with soccer. But when you ask them, do you want to go to church? I don't know if I can get up that early in the morning. Hey, you know, go kid your mama. Don't kid me. I know what the real, the real religion in America, the real God in America is sports. And it's the athletes are the gods. They're worshipped by the kids. The kids worship them. They know every one of their names. They know everything about them. They know all their stats. That's, that's, and the parents are just as bad, amen? Just as bad. They want to get their autograph. They want to get as close as they can to them. They do, they'll pay 50 60 75 $85 a ticket to go watch them hit a ball or throw a football. And church is free, amen? amen? Has anybody passed an offering plate in front of you this morning? No. Okay, I was just making sure. It's free. It's free to come in here. You know, you know what? The parking's free too, amen? amen. The parking's free. We're not gonna, I'm not Jerry Jones. I'm not going to charge you $20 to come park in my parking lot. It's free. Come on, pull up. So they worship the athletes. And I'm here to tell you the greatest athlete was Jesus Christ. This fool named Conor McGregor, he's a cage fighter. He's from Ireland. He's real, real popular. He spouted off the other day, and he said, I can whip Jesus Christ rear end. But he didn't use rear end. And he says, I don't know if he came up from the grave or not, but I'm here to tell you, I can whip his rear end. And if you think you're foolish enough to bow yourself up to God and Jesus Christ, you're a fool. He's the greatest athlete to ever live. Let me show you. Look at John chapter 18. Look at this in verse 3. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? So they come to arrest Jesus Christ, so he knows they're looking for him, so he doesn't go running. He goes right up to them. Who are you looking for? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. Now notice, though, in verse 6. As soon then, as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. There's that greatest speaker to ever live. He didn't even touch them. You know what he used? He used the great I am. The one that was up there in the burning bush with Moses. Moses says, who do I say sent him? God said, you tell him, I am sent you. 
Jesus Christ, all through his ministry, said, I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's how he spoke. They said, we're looking for Jesus Christ. He stood right up there to them, and with words that were powerful and amazing, he said, I am he. And they fell back. I am he. Power. You're going to stand up and fight a man like that? They can literally speak the word, and you're going to fall back? A hundred men fall back on their backs? You're going to whip him, Conor McGregor? You're crazy. That's the greatest athlete you've ever known. He can knock you out without even throwing a punch. I'm showing it to you, amen. That's a guy that doesn't know his Bible. That's a guy who doesn't know Jesus Christ. This is a guy that walked on water. You know an athlete can do that? This is a guy that took a jump and he ascended up into heaven. He never came back down. One leap, whoop, and they're watching him and he whoop. I can whip him. Oh, get get behind me, idiot. You don't even know what you're talking about. A hundred men, he says, I am he. And they're like, they fall back. You read it with me? He's the greatest athlete you've ever known. So if you're worshiping an athlete of some kind, you need to stop doing that. And you need to start worshiping the greatest athlete to ever live named Jesus Christ. Amen. He can throw the football further than you could ever imagine. He can do anything you can imagine. These great athletes are thinking they're doing. And let me tell you something about these great athletes that are running around. It's Jesus Christ giving them their breath. Turn to Matthew, Matthew chapter 14, one more. Yes, Jesus Christ is great, there's no doubt about it. I've given you all the things that Jesus Christ is great for, but let me show you the greatest thing Jesus Christ is known for. He's the greatest speaker, he's the greatest teacher, he's the greatest doctor, he's the greatest chef, he's the greatest athlete, my friends. I'm going to give you one more, this is the most important one to you. He's the greatest Savior the world has ever known. Look at Matthew chapter 14. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter, please, Matthew chapter 14. And look at verse 24. But the ship, they were on a ship, was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. There's that great athlete I was talking about. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Hey, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. There's the greatest speaker to ever live speaking. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. He saw the wind boisterous. He starts looking around. He takes his eyes off Jesus. He was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried saying, Lord, save me. Are you here this morning? And you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Is there something in your heart that's crying out in a small voice saying, Lord, save me. I know I'm going to hell. I know I'm not doing the things I should do. And I need a Savior. I need a Savior. Peter on that water with the wind blowing cried out, Lord, save me. Verse 31. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him, said unto him, O thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. He's the greatest Savior the world has ever known. He got cried out to, Lord, save me. And when that man was sinking down in the depths, Jesus Christ reached down with that hand, that nail-scarred hand to be, and brought him up. And together, hand in hand, walked back to the ship and got him over to the boat. And the wind ceased. Do you need a Savior this morning? Are you out there on the sea storms of life and you're rocking back and forth and you don't know which way you're going, you don't have any peace and you don't have any joy, you don't have any happiness? 
And there's something in your heart saying, that preacher's telling the truth about that man, Jesus Christ. He is the greatest man to ever live. He is the greatest Savior a person could ever have. If you'll just bow down with, the, with your heart and admit you're a sinner and ask Jesus Christ to save you, right there it says in verse 31, and immediately, immediately Jesus Christ will save you. You don't have to understand everything I'm talking about. You don't have to know Genesis to Revelation. All you need to know is that you're a sinner, that you need a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. And if you'll call out to him the best way you know how and say, you know what, I'm a sinner, Lord. I'm sinking in this sin. I need you to save me. He'll reach down and he'll save you. He'll pull you out. And together, hand in hand, he'll walk you back to safety. And that wind will cease. That wind will cease in your life. I don't care what you're going through. The wind will calm down. That is the greatest Savior the world has ever known. The greatest Savior the world has ever known. The greatest man in history had no servants that they called him Master. He had no degree, yet they called him teacher. He had no medicines, yet they called him healer. He had no army, yet kings feared him. He won no military battles, yet he conquered the world. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. He was buried in the tomb, yet he lives today. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.